Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. Goat guns are goat. Our miniature gun models will make you the center point of attention. Display them at your office desk, bookshelf, or man cave. Collect and customize goat guns to your own liking. Each goat gun model has intricate parts that snap together to assemble. Start your next hobby addiction at goatguns.com. This is Steve Levy from ESPN, and you're listening to Missing Curfew. California, rescue me. I've been so low, I've been weak. Fella. My man, how we doing, buddy? Awesome. It's a wrap. The season's a wrap. But I bumped into Steve Levy at game one of the Stanley Cup final, and he said, hey, Obes, big fan of missing curfew. Where's the updog? I see he's coming in for game two. Uh, he's like, I DM'd you. I'm like, I don't check my DMs anymore, fella. I mean, there's no hot chicks in there, so what's the point? But great guy. So we thought we'd get him on here before we officially head into the sunset of the summer here. Fuck, you got a busy summer coming up. Yeah, eh? I do. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, um, a lot of overbacks. Listen, Steve Levy, to me, is a guy, I think back of watching games when I first came to the U.S., like, you know, early 19. Yeah. And fucking just the voice and the passion and the charisma he has on TV. It's awesome. And what an honor to have him on our pod. By the way, what an honor to bump into him and him shoot the shit with you. And like, yeah. And, and sound excited to be on the pod. Yeah. He just got a voice that's, you know... Makes you kind of feel comfortable and brings you into the moment, right? Yeah, he's a veteran too. Yeah. Um, you know, we've both commented on his hair, great hair. He doesn't he's, put anything in. Yeah, he's been he's been around for a long time and and he brings a flair to the set for sure. Uh but yeah, it was cool bumping into him. I met him years ago on the entourage set, but it was cool just to hear him like, yeah, I miss a curfew you and the updog. I, I like what you guys are doing. So uh we thought we'd bring him on. Um, here he comes. I think the fans are gonna love this one. Steve Levy, fella. Uh, welcome back to Mr. Curfew. Updog uh, bumped into this beauty at game one of the Stanley Cup final. He had the suit on. He was looking sharp. Uh, met him years ago on the entourage set, which I want to bring up. But we're a big fan of ESPN and what they've done for hockey. And and this guy uh, yeah. is one of the reasons we, we were happy hockey's back big on ESPN. Big fan of his hair, too, by the Great way. Great hair. We might Great have to hair. ask him what he puts in that. So, <laughs> Steve Levy, uh, thank you for joining Mr. Curfew. Yeah, buddy. You could go no bucket. Yeah. You, you could go no bucket and warm up if you're in the NHL. I would I would have liked that. I would have been one of those guys who at least attempted it anyway. And uh, no product either, guys. This is like water. I don't I don't put anything in my hair either. It's just au natural. Well, now I'm really jealous. Now I'm really jealous that you could just put a little water. You're like my boy, the up dog. He would just put a little water in there. I'd have to put the gel in before warm up. I was that guy, yep. Steve. Yep. So a little different than Barry Melrose, I'm sure, back in the day. Huh? A little a little different. Uh, uh, your, production, your production manager is probably like, man, we got to work on this Barry's hair so much. And Steve's is always just perfect. Think of the budget for Barry's hair gel, right? Back in the day, all these years and all that. He, 
he could wear it. He, I think he might have played without a helmet even. He's so old, you know? Yeah, I think he did for sure. But, uh, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time, buddy. We know you're busy. Let, let's start with your T-shirt there, the New York Jets T-shirt. We, we, we saw it right yeah. off the top. Uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, exciting times for you in uh, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. You know, so you've been in the business a long time like I have, and you, you really don't root for teams anymore, right? It's it's laundry, right? Guys change uniforms or helmets or whatever it is. And you just start rooting for good guys or good people or friends of yours. And, but I can't shake the New York Jets thing, man. It's And it's probably because they haven't had any success in my lifetime. So, you know, I, was, uh, I grew up in that New York metropolitan area. I was uh, at the Garden for the Rangers winning. I was at Shea when the Mets won the World Series and all that. And so – I'd really like to be able to take my dad, who I'm, I'm still fortunate enough that he's with us in good health, and take my two young sons and take them to a Super Bowl and see it. And you know, who knows? Maybe this is the uh, there's lots of optimism, but I've lived through optimism before with the Jets, and it hasn't panned out. But I do still live and die with the team, and and really, like at the end of a game, we're in the third quarter. I'm pinching myself, like you're a 58 year old man. Why are you getting so upset on a holding flag? And I I just can't shake it. I don't know. Steve, I got to ask you real quick. One of the things that your your network did, ESPN, Once Upon a Time in Queens. That documentary to me was unbelievable, buddy. Like, So you you obviously lived through that. You were a Mets fan when that happened because that documentary, those guys were rock stars. So first of all, that, that 30 for 30, say what you will about ESPN, that 30 for 30 is among the best things we do, regardless of the topic. I've never heard anybody say, hey, it was a, you know, that 30 for 30 was off or it was bad. Like they're all legendary and that one was particularly good uh what happened you know behind the stands and in the in the clubhouse and um you know those, those guys were fighting on they had more fighting majors than hockey teams do right now right ray knights pounding eric davis and these guys and like you know backman and dykstra and they were dirty they were a mess they were close to disgusting whatever was on their uniforms and, you know the dip and, and everything just flying and 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 so that was sort of a rock and roll baseball, which you really don't you know see or get anymore. So those those were good times. I was in the Shea Stadium for the Buckner game. Oh wow! And, uh, and that was wild. And then people forget Game Seven of that series was supposed to be on Sunday night, as most of them are, and it was rained out, and it got pushed to Monday. And so I was in the upper deck for that one too. So that's really cool. Um, it was a great experience, and yeah, that was my team, and I lived through the bad days. And I'm sure we'll transition to Vegas, but, you know, that's why I get people around the NHL being, you know, ticked off about Vegas's quick success. Like, you know, I was in the upper deck at Shea for the Mets when nobody was there. And and, and the same thing with the Rangers, that 54-year streak, right? And here comes Vegas. Doop, 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 doop. You know, hey, hey, welcome to the NHL. We're in the Stanley Cup <laughs> final. And now six years later, we win it. So uh, my kids are giving me a hard time still, like with the Jet thing. We live in sort of central Connecticut. You can find a lot of Giants and Patriots stuff here. Not a lot of Jets. One of my sons said to me, Dad, I'll give him one more year. You know, he's <laughs> he's a left. You know, so, uh, but it builds character. And so I'd like to think uh, the Levies have a lot of character anyway. I well, just want to say, Lenny yeah. Dykstra, have you, have you watched this? Up? I, I mean, Lenny Dykstra steals the show. He's like, the manager says, you're up, Lenny. He says, it's about time you want to fucking win. And then, <laughs> Steve, were, were you one of the guys that were, st- they, they stole the grass. When they, were you out there? Were you one of the guys stealing the grass, Steve, back in the day? Because they ripped the field, no, remember? I didn't get on the field. My best story from that, though, is 86. I got a press credential. So I was in the press box, sort of. There's so much media at the World Series. They have what they call an auxiliary press box. 
And so I was in the press level, but out beyond the foul pole. Okay. I'm in, so I'm in fair territory in right field, which tells you how far I was out right in the outfield. So, you know, the, the Buckner game is over. The Red Sox are winning that world series. And when the ball rolls through Buckner's legs, I am the only person I would say within a hundred yards, like everybody, the stories were written. Everybody was already downstairs waiting oh, yeah. for the locker room to open to get the quotes. And I must look like a total lunatic and there's no cheering in the press box and all that stuff. But I don't know, I'm 18, 19, 20 or something. And I'm going wild, but all by myself. It was just, it was a wild scene. And uh, game seven was cool because I got to go as a fan and not have to get dressed up and I could chew my, my brains out. So, but that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And I'm a, you know, my history is a lot of people think of me as a Boston guy. So I grew up in New York. But after coming to ESPN, I realized after five years, I didn't have to necessarily live in Bristol. So I moved to Boston for 13 years. So I kind of trained. All my best buddies are still in Boston. We got a bar there and all that stuff. And so I kind of uh, I'm really like a Boston guy as an adult. Yet I still have those New York roots, so I got the mix of the accent and the attitude noise. It makes sense. Well, all our buddies are Boston guys too. It just makes yeah. sense. They're all yeah. the same breed. Yeah. Yes. It was just cra- it was just crazy in that game six, the Buckner game, yeah. like up dog. They had the the, the 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 locker room ready to go. Like party time. <laughs> the ball goes through the leg. They had to run in, take all the shit out, all the shit paid out, and fucking like it was over. It, it was an amazing series. Man. It was an amazing. I, series. I think they even put it on the scoreboard. I think they even gave the MVP award yeah. on the scoreboard at Flash oh, in Game bad. Six. Roger, you know, Roger, you Roger Clemens went in and shaved for the fucking post game <laughs> celebration, right. and they fucking blew right. it. <laughs> right. Uh, why don't we just stick right here with the celebration? So you were saying you're at uh, in New York for for you know Messier's Stanley Cup parade. The yep. videos coming out of these Vegas boys right now. Thoughts on maybe who is going harder, those boys back in New York ripping through Manhattan or these guys that just won in Las Vegas of all places? Uh, because some of these videos are all time. I mean, the William Carlson thing, <laughs> I was laughing for hours. Oh, yeah. uh, to me, the all-timer is still going to be Ovechkin and what the Capitals did. Yeah. <laughs> when, they, when they ran through Vegas, by the way, right? Beating Las Vegas that year in 2018. I think the advantage that Mess and those guys had was, you know, the lack of social media not so many cameras and videos around them. And and in Manhattan, you can hide too. You know what I mean? That's a Manhattan. Oh, yeah. That's a big Island, you know? And uh, for Vegas, it, it's Vegas's first one, you know? And I, I said this on the air, like, you know, the Raiders might win the Super Bowl one day and that will be cool and everything, but it, it won't be the same, right? The Raiders, they came from someplace else. You know, the golden Knights, uh, their history, their only, that's their hashtag Vegas born and all that yeah. stuff. So, uh, I think it's really special, and I, I say enjoy it. it. It's so remarkable to me uh, how how some guys win the cup and some guys don't. Like great players who are in the wrong place, the wrong time, right? They just don't have the supporting cast or whatever. Don't get there, and how some fourth line guys can win multiple Stanley Cups because they're in. The, now look, they contribute, and fourth line has never been more important than it was. And Vegas is a great example of that fourth line uh, winning this Stanley Cup. But it is it is remarkable. So my point being that if you get a chance to win it, go enjoy it, man. You you, you deserve it. You you earned it. Uh, it is such an impossible trophy to win. And uh, I, I said, let it fly. And, and good for Vegas. I'm a big Vegas guy anyway. Uh, you don't have to ask me twice to go out there, even if there's no sports events. I I go in the summer when it's one ten. You know what I mean? Outside, no problem at all. 
So I say good for those guys. Enjoy it. It's funny you say that, Steve, because we had breakfast this morning and every time someone wins it, and you know, back when Gronk would win it, you can get as drunk as you want and do whatever you want and be like Carlson at the parade and no one's going to say a word to you because you won the Stanley Cup or the NFL. Like that to me has got to be such a good feeling. Just be like, I can do whatever I want out here and no one's going to say a thing. How about the poor lady in the black T-shirt on stage trying to grab Carlson, right? Like, you know, that's somebody's job. I felt for her for a second, right? Like, she's probably got to keep the show running. At first, I thought she was grabbing Wild Bill because uh, she was afraid he was going to fall off the stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then it became a time thing, and she's just trying to cut him off and try to get the microphone to somebody else. And so, you know, we all got jobs to do. I get it. And Steve, we all know that T-Mobile's a great atmosphere, but I bumped into you at game one, and, and to me, that atmosphere was louder than I've ever seen T-Mobile. Like, talk me through that experience for you seeing game one. I'm not sure if you're there for game two, but it was the buzz in that building before the Stanley Cup final was something that I don't think I've ever felt. So um, it's always been great there. I mean, it's they've, they've always done that right, and it's really ingenious, guys. You look around the NHL, you know, five minutes into the first period most places – the seats are not full, right? Uh, they're either in the clubs or they're stuck in parking or whatever it might be. And Vegas' pregame show on the ice, the theatrics they do is, is ingenious, right? Because people want to see that stuff. So you're in the building an hour early, and therefore you're buying soda and popcorn and T-shirts and jerseys and beers. Like, it's win-win for everyone. So I think it starts from that. Uh, the building definitely felt different to me as the series progresses, a certain buzz. And again, in a building with no history, with no real tradition, right? Um, I think the fans were just so excited. And where people missed the boat on Vegas, if you remember when the talk was about the team coming and finally they were going to come, it was all about the transplants, right? Hey, every visiting team yeah. is going to add the, every build, the building's going to be 50 50 because it's all the visitors. And it's not like that. It was not like that at all, right? You saw a few Florida Panthers fans, and throughout the postseason, you see a few visiting sweaters, but not a lot. They are all in on the Golden Knights. Everywhere I went uh, all week long, you know, asking for tickets and how do I sneak them in and all that stuff. And so uh, they got a great great start. Uh, Vegas will be there forever, and I think they're going to be successful. Listen, the Oakland A's are coming too, boys, right? We know that. And the NBA will not be far behind. I promise you that. So I think the NHL gets full marks for going first too, right? They they dipped their toe in the water first. They took the risk, whatever risk that might have been, and uh, it truly paid off. Yeah, absolutely. I just love how whether it's a car, a car dealer or your taxi driver or the guy you're grabbing a hot dog off in the middle of the street, they're all like Vegas Golden Knight fans. Yeah. They, whether they were before or not, they feel like that that's their team. So no, that's- I, and I'm with I'm with Steve. Like when people, you know, Oppie was still in the league. I think I was just maybe finishing out in the league when Vegas was going to come. And I said, yeah, it'll be great. Like when the Leafs come, I'm sure all their fans will come. Oilers, Vancouver, Rangers. It'll be a great place for visiting teams to come. And that was not the case at all, right? From from day one, basically, this city, the way they've supported this hockey club, and like you said, Steve, it's because it's homegrown and they started there. Yeah, and you, no, you can't get a ticket, and and I I have friends who have some season tickets, and when they sell it, it it pays for like their entire season, you know. And look look around the league, right? Florida and Tampa, when the Canadian clubs go down there, or the Rangers or Bruins, it's you know they take over the place, and that's that's not the case in Vegas. Now, look, in fairness, let's see they sustain it. Let's see him do it in 10 years and 20 years from now. But OB, on that first chance meeting with you and me in the fancy club suite area, yeah. <laughs> uh, have you checked your direct messages yet? Do you even know you have DMs? Because I DM'd you. Yeah. 
And I was saying, because, and I got lucky. You did it with smarts. I got lucky. I picked the Panthers back in October to win the Stanley Cup, which I thought was a pretty good deal. However, then I find out that OB, you know, two years ago, picked it to be Vegas and Florida to actually meet the Stanley Cup final. I was like, wow. So, you know, before we'd really spoken, I DM'd you and I never heard back. And then, boom, I bump into you in the suite. Here we are. Yeah, well, I got to be honest, Steve. Uh, my DMs aren't what they used to be. You know, they used to be uh, when I was playing. I would look at them and I'd have some good surprises, typically some females. Now if it's usually someone just saying, oh, Brian, you dumb fuck, you suck or something. So I don't check them anymore, but uh, I'm glad I, I got to listen, pop I'll, into you. I'll send you a picture too, but it's going to have my Jet shirt on, okay? <laughs> By the, the only way, picture you get from me. You were rubbing the genie's belly on that one. That was a, that was quite the call back early yeah. in the summer. And that year. was before they even got before they got our boy Maddie, before they got Chucky. I just I I knew everyone forgot about how good Vegas's D were, right? They missed the playoffs last year. I figured Jack Eichel with a full training camp, a full season, their six D are arguably the best in the league, one through six. And if they got some goaltending, I thought Vegas could be a team to beat. And then I just thought Bill Zito would make a little splash, and sure enough, he go gets Chucky, and the rest is history. So that was kind of a kind of a lucky guess there. But I always that, like that, that D was the story to me of of the series. And when I go D, I mean five and six, totally. like Hagen White Cloud, totally. right? Those guys, critical spots, last ninety seconds up a goal, and Butch has five and six on the ice. Remarkable, yeah. You know what? It's funny, and we we live in a salary cap era, right? And, and we all know Vegas is up against it, and they don't have a goaltender and. You know, Riley Smith name came up again, or Alex Martinez. And I said, and I like Riley Smith, but they both make $5 million. I'm not touching that one through 60. I'm bringing them back again next year. No disrespect to Riley Smith or whoever it's going to be up there, but that one through six, don't mess with that chemistry that they got going. Yeah, the, the goalie thing is, is going to be interesting. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what they do there. Uh, I think they love Logan Thompson. I think they want him to be the guy. And because of that, what you mentioned, the salary cap, He's cheap, right? He, yeah, I think he's under a million, under yeah, a million bucks. Yeah, or something crazy. Yeah, for starting goalie, right? Now, he's got to perform and play that and do it for a whole season. Stevie, so I, I brought this up right before, but you're going on 30 years with ESPN. I don't want to age you because you still look, you're still nah, look young and handsome. Good, but bring me <laughs> back to like, you know, for you, you're, you're Mr. Hockey with ESPN. You always have been. The voice, the knowledge, you've called some epic games, some long ones. What what is it about the the sport of hockey that that was attractive to you and that and that gave you some passion and pride to to talk about it nationwide? So look, I, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, first of all, it's always been my first love. Uh, I grew up. My four years of high school were on Long Island. The four years the Islanders won the cups. Okay, the, that that great dynasty. Now that being said, I was the only Ranger fan in the school on Long Island, so I took a lot of heat and a lot of abuse. Uh, I just always loved the game, and I thought it separated me in our industry. When I got to ESPN, you know, look, quite, quite frankly, in the States, you know, everybody does football, basketball, and baseball. So if you could pronounce a Russian hockey name like you were already a cut above in there, and, <laughs> and, you know, like Monday Night Football was always a dream, um, and I was really lucky to, to achieve that. But there's only one seat, right? There's only one seat, and in hockey – you know, we had a bunch of seats. We had all the games, all season long, four rounds of the playoffs. So there were many more opportunities for a, a hockey lover like myself to get in and get on the air. And um, I was lucky to be around a lot of great people. Started my relationship with Barry Melrose there. Actually, the night he got fired by the Kings. And um, this was my first Stanley Cup in the 30 without Barry. So that was – he'll be back next season, all that stuff. He's fine. 
But um, so that was a little difficult. But uh, the people in hockey are the best. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't already know. Uh, the people in the dressing room and management and the PR staff and on the ice and all that. And again, <laughs> I, I'm somebody who knows because I've covered all, all four big pro sports. And uh, so it's the guys. Uh, it's the game itself. It's, it's the atmosphere. And uh, I've been lucky to have this great seat. And, you know, when we lost the rights there for, I don't know, 15, 16 years, like that was, that was a tough goal. Like we'd still push through the highlights on SportsCenter. But it wasn't the same. We didn't have the games, right? We yeah. just come to the, we just show up in the Stanley Cup final and try to keep that that streak alive. And so we were able to do that. So, but a lot of people at ESPN love it. Like you know, you guys know Butchie and, and Barry and all that, and Linda. Um, but a lot of people like behind the scenes, like the camera people, the audience, everybody loves hockey in Bristol. And uh, so we were so thrilled to to get the rights back again. Yeah, that's like right when I made the league. When I made the league, the games were on Versus and the OL, OLN network yeah. or something yeah. like that. I remember yeah. I was living in the hotel. I go to dinner. I'm like, hey, can you put the hockey game on? They're like, we don't have the hockey. I'm like, it's the it's the NHL here. Like, it was yeah. kind of a big blow to us when, when it wasn't on ESPN. Like, as players, we were bummed about it. And we always wanted to get back on ESPN. So when it finally happened, I was gone out of the league. But it was so big for the for the NHL. Yeah, no, it was. Um, and then just to follow up on that, like, it's – it's been a huge, huge like home run for us having ESPN back, having TNT back, Steve. What are your thoughts on, you know, you've been through the World Cup of Hockey's before and what that is to our sport globally, yeah. call it globally or call it just like right before the hockey season starts when the NFL is starting up and baseball is getting into their playoffs. But the World Cup of Hockey to me and Obi needs to come back because it's such an exciting time. We need to see the, you know, McKinnon Crosby, McDavid, like the all-star lineups playing for their own country. What, how do we implement that back? You know, I know the talks with, you know, it's call it Russia. They didn't want Russia in or whatever, but how do we get that World Cup of Hockey vibe back? And just how cool was that when you called those back in the day? Yeah, it was great. And, uh, you know, I've been to multiple and uh, to see best on best. And obviously, you know, America versus Canada, I mean, just, just unbelievable. Every, every, every player is a superstar on the ice. And you see, you saw teammates in fights, right? And teammates in skirmishes and all that uh, with playing for the pride of their country. And so uh, it was intense among the best hockey I've ever seen. I, I think we all want it back, right, man? I, I can't I can't think anybody says, yeah, let's not do that anymore. Uh, for me, I, I'd kind of like to see it in the middle of the season. I feel like the All-Star weekend has lost its luster, right? Yeah. I, it sort of has. I know why they do it. We have the property. I get it. Um, there are business ramifications there. It's sponsorships, it's promises to, uh, buildings, new buildings and all that. So there's a lot of financial reasons for it, but for the hockey fan or something to look forward to. And again, I'm not sure you can do it every year. Like maybe it's every two years, something like that. But I think I'd like to see it in the middle of the season. I think you'd have more guys interested because if you put it in the front end of the season, then these top notch superstar players, have to cut their summers short. And and probably a lot of guys aren't going to want to do that. And then to ramp up that quickly to play at the top of your game would also be very, very difficult. And you guys know better than I. So I think everybody would be in favor of it. It would be great to bring it back. Love to have it on ESPN in some way. Uh, it, was, it was so entertaining. And, again, I sort of feel like the skills competition and All-Star Weekend sort of lost its, its lost. You'd need a bigger break in the middle, right? And so, you know, that's an issue with the amount of games we're playing at 82. I'd love to see the, the league cut down to like 72 regular season games. But again, there are financial ramifications and 
I don't think the owners would ever go for that. Yeah, and the time is now, right? They're talking maybe 2025 to do it. But, like, you look at the Stanley Cup final, you got Matty Kachuk and Jack Eichel, two American-born players in the final. We all know about McDavid and McKinnon. Like, even if they could do a, a best of seven, maybe Canada versus U.S. on ESPN or something, like, I don't know. I, I think the time's now. I'm with you in the middle of the season, but not that it's ever going to be this, the World Cup of Soccer, but I watched the World Cup of Soccer and I wasn't a soccer fan. Now I'll never miss one. So I just think there's an opportunity to get yep. some fans out there that maybe still don't watch it, getting that yep. best on best. But uh, And it's hard good. to exclude, you know, look, you know, we're in the toy department, right? We're in sports, so we don't get into the, the big global picture. I think it's hard to exclude Russia. And yet, sure. based on what's going on from the sure. real world, I understand it, right? I get it. But these Russian NHL players obviously have nothing to do with that. Yeah. And so it's it's sort of unfair to them. Uh, it's unfair to hockey fans who want to see the great Russian teams. How great would that be? You know, so so we got to figure out a way, I think, to to be totally inclusive in that regard and then figure out a way to, to get it done. But it, it would be great. I, I th- You know, the stars all want to play in the Olympics, right? The guys all want to go. They don't seem to care where it is, what time yeah. zone. You know, everybody seems, if you're good enough, they you seem to want to play in the Olympics. And I think the, all the players would feel the same way about the, the World Cup as well. Steve, I got to ask you about the physicality of hockey, buddy. A lot of times in this podcast, I complain. I still complain, although the playoffs, I thought, you know, Sam Bennett, Matty Kachuk, there was some physicality. But from where you started to where we are now, where are you with the physicality and, and more of a speed game now? Would you like to see a little bit more, you know? No question. Uh, I'm with you, and I know it's not a popular opinion anymore. I, I like fighting in hockey. I, I just do. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, lot of you know, it's not my kid on the ice. I totally get it. Um, I'm not talking about stick swinging. I'm not talking about big guy on small guy, you know, but if a couple heavyweights wanted to go. And uh, I'm, I'm in favor of it. I think it's always been a factor in the game. I think it's been an important factor in the game. It can change the game within its, in itself that specific game. Um, but the problem is you, you can't carry guys anymore. As you, as you got on the roster, you just, you can't, I, you know, I don't know how much longer Ryan Reeves can hang around with the speed of the game. So can we get a combination? Can we get a mix? Can you get guys who can keep up, who can still throw them? But I, I do fear um, the f- fighting will be outlawed and, I don't know, five, ten years, it'll mean, you know, you drop the gloves, it's a one-game suspension, kicked out of that, something like that, and that'll probably, you know, that'll probably put an end to it. So we're already seeing these guys, hard to keep their roster spots. Um, And I I love, even if it's not the fight, it's the prospect, the chance you might see a fight can also be interesting and fun. Nobody's ever left their seat, right? Yeah. We we talked earlier about warm-up, pregame warm-ups. You know, I was in the garden for... Domi and, and Probert and, you know, the warm-ups were packed. Like, just that's a regular season game. So, um, you know, you remember the Tampa-Calgary Stanley Cup final. Every every series has a signature moment, I think. And to see uh, Aguilar and LeCavier drop the mitts, it was great. And they're not, you know, certainly not Vinny. He's not a fighter, but he was willing to go, right? You guys know better than I. All you got to do is be willing. Even if you lose the fight, your guys will give you plenty of love on the bench and in the dressing room. Just be willing to go. But I do. I miss it. I miss the hitting. I hate the ticky-tack penalties. And I'm sitting there with Chelios and, and Messier, right? PK. <laughs> and we're watching some of the penalty calls, and those guys lose their minds. Yeah. They're throwing papers. You know, the little tap on the hands. Guy drops his stick. We're calling that a slash. Didn't break the stick. Just dropped the stick. 
and mess each other. Just hang on to your stick. You know what I mean? Like, why is that a penalty? So um, there's definitely an old school versus new school, but OB, I'm, I'm with you in that department. I got to ask you about the Domi Probert. There, there was a buzz through the city of New York that day, wasn't there? Like, how? remind me, did Domi say something in the paper about being the champ? Or, or walk me through that again. But I remember the buzz in the city was, like, out of control. He didn't have to say anything. They had a fight at Joe Lewis maybe a week earlier. Yeah, yeah. And Domi, and Domi got the best of Proby at Joe Lewis. And again, don't hold me that. Could have been a week. Maybe, maybe it was less. But then the wings just happened to be on the schedule. We're coming back to the garden, and everybody knew. Um, <laughs> Matt, you know, I want to quote Mess because I've asked Messi because Mess is in the room, right? And everybody knows it's coming. It's only a matter of time. Might have been the very first shift. I think they both started. So, but warm ups <laughs> were wild. Yeah. Imagine Madison Square Garden. Every seat is full for warm ups. Nobody's ever there for warm ups. And it was just, you know, again, for a regular season game. So, listen, some of the uh, the romance of the game, the history of the game is surrounded by that, right? And the handshakes at the end of the of the seven-game war. Like, that's that's kind of what hockey's all about, and I, I do miss that piece. Yeah, uh, Steve, we got to play golf with Gretz and Mess uh, last week. We played the Grove out in Florida in between games three and four. And I'm from, nice. Al- I'm from Alberta, right? I'm a, you know, geez, I grew up not two hours from where Mess grew up. And obviously yeah. being an oiler kid. And I, I just, I'm going in like, all right, what's your handicaps? Mess is like, oh, I'm a three, right? I'm like, okay, we're straight up. And Gretz and Obi takes, you know, they go straight up. But, um, you know, talk a little bit about having him on your team, you know, Mess. And a guy that you watched and idolized, I'm sure, when he was with the Rangers. And I, we all idolized the way he played. You know, wore his heart on his sleeve, played tough. But um, you just your guys' chemistry, and I know Chelly just got let go, but what that's like to have a couple Hall of Famers on your squad and to chat hockey and to be laughing yeah. and getting the insight on all that and just what that was like this year for you guys with PK. So um, it, it is odd. Sometimes I have to check myself. Like, like Mess and I will text at like 1 in the morning watching a West Coast game, you know? And like I'm only like – it's as simple as, hey, did you see that, you know, from Mess or something like that. And if only I could tell my buddies that Mark Messier is texting me at <laughs> one in the morning on a Tuesday, and he watches everything, but he watches yeah, you know, yeah. all the. And um, so that's pretty cool. And then I sort of, then sometimes I forget about it. Figure, all right, we're just colleagues, buddies. We're talking hockey like I would with anybody else. So the funniest part is, you know, after our show ends, you know, we'll go out to a, a local place in Bristol, Connecticut, right? And it's a little water, you know, a little watering hole or. Uh, you know, a dive bar kind of thing, right? We're just having a couple. And, you know, the people who stroll in casually in Bristol, Connecticut are not expecting to see two of the greatest players in hockey history, right? And they're they're so regular. They do blend in. Chelly can blend in anywhere, right? He looks like, you know, a regular guy, right? Mess, of course, he's got the forehead and the, the skull and everything. He stands <laughs> out a lot. And he wears a hoodie or a hat to try to blend in himself. But um, they are regular guys. Uh, as mo- as most hockey superstars are, right? And that's the thing, you know, you know, you hear about Gretz, like till the end of his career, he had a roommate. Like what? I On the road. Like, that's crazy. That just doesn't happen. Like people can't wrap their minds around that too. Right? Wayne Gretzky had a roommate. Wait a second. <laughs> he had to share the remote control. Is that possible? So um, well, that's what makes hockey special. And they are genuine, um, regular guys who love hockey. And uh, we'll miss Chelios a lot. He, you know, Chelios just got caught up. His deal came to an end. He was great on TV, worked as hard as anyone. That's just sort of a sign in the times of our business right now. It's rough. 
Steve, I got to ask you about PK. He's done a great job for you. Uh, his style. Are you are you going to maybe borrow his stylist next year? Do you ever look over some days and be like, hey, maybe PK, maybe I can pull that off? Or, <laughs> or what do you think about some of the outfits he's rocking there on the on the set of yeah, the no, uh, <laughs> I, I can't pull it off, A. And B, he has probably multiple stylists picking up. And listen, and, and P, you know, people want to be quick to judge with PK and Messicelli, and I'm sort of sitting in between them and separating. Um, I'll say this. I'll, I'll be very frank with you guys. We needed PK. We needed PK on our set. When it was just me, Mess, and Charlie, we were missing something. We were missing some jam, some spice. And I think a part of that is, you know, Mess and Charlie came from the same era, you know, so their opinions are very similar. PK was in the league last year. You know what I mean? He, he played in April, you know, whatever, two years ago. He played against all these guys. He was in uh, the devil's room with the Jack Hughes and those guys. So, so we needed the modern current player i think um he provided um uh the opposite perspective i think he was also a really good sport when we had all the stanley cups on one side of the set and you know personality on the other <laughs> side of the set. so uh, but he's been really good he's obviously he's a natural um i think hockey fans love listening to him love watching him and uh again we we needed some of that pk sauce and he provided that for us he was great Steve, I just wanted to ask you, Steve, about Scott Van Pelt. Now, it's great. Anytime there's a game on ESPN after the game ends, the guys go right on the SVP show. Yes. Does he like hockey? I mean, I love Scott Van Pelt. Yeah. And, man, how nice is his set, huh? Are the boys on ESPN jealous how nice his set is or what? Because that is a nice-looking set. So he's a big deal, as you guys know. He's such a big deal. They built him his own set in Washington, D.C. He's not in Bristol with everybody else. Yeah. Van Peasy's a big deal. So he wanted to go home. And the company said, oh, well, anything for you, Scott. And uh, so listen, so he does love hockey. I'm glad you asked that. Yeah. He does love, love hockey. He does. Uh, he always mentions that in the postseason. And he is a diehard Washington Capitals fan um, come postseason hockey. So you're right. And I always think about that, too. That was the big difference, guys. You hit on it. Um, when we did not have hockey, you know, we would get to highlights on Sports Center, maybe after the first commercial break or whatever it might be. But since we've gotten hockey and Al Van Pelt's following, it's like Monday Night Football, right? The Monday Night Football ends, we got the star players talking to Scott Van Pelt. Yeah. And now in hockey, it's the head coach or the players. You see Jack Eichel and Connor McDavid pops up with Van Pelt. And if you're the NHL, if you're in those league offices in Manhattan, you're like, you know what? This is what we wanted. This is what you get when you get ESPN. It's not just the games. Listen, you guys know there's only a certain way you can do the game itself. The two-hour, 40-minute hockey game, there's only a certain amount of camera angles and commentary, but where ESPN separates itself, I think, is the before and the after, the pre and the post, and the promotion, and the all-day conversation. Look, we're 24-7 sports, right? The other guys, they do, you know, TNT does a great job, and they're a lot of fun, and I love all those guys, too. They're on one night a week. Right. They do an hour before, an hour after, and then they're in taped programming, you know, outside of, you know, the NBA and all that. So our place never ends. We're a factory. We're grinding. And so that's what you get when you get ESPN, I think. And that's that's a big part of our value. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, and, and what what Scott's great at and what you're good at is the creative side of the questioning, right? In the interview with a hockey player. How have you over the years tried to get the most out of like you know, a young hockey guy who might be a little shy, might want to not cross any line, might not want to say the wrong thing, but how do you bring out his personality to show the world that 
hockey guys or this sport is magical. These guys are great. But how do you create that conversation with the kid to get him outside his comfort zone? Because that's what Shane and I do here on our podcast. We try to keep it light, but we want to show like the personality side of things and not just that sort of cliche interview. How how have you over the years been like, because you're great at it, but how do you get that best, uh, best interview out of these guys? Some of it is confidence, uh, having been around like myself and having confidence that, you know what, if, if I ask an off, off goofball question or whatever, uh, and I don't get a great answer, I can withstand that. You know what I mean? Like I'll get another crack at it. Right. Um, someone in the younger in the industry, uh, might not be willing to take that risk. And with the risk comes some reward. You get something great out of them. And so listen, I'm I'm glad you brought it up because I really care about the interviewing part. That's a real important part of my game. I want the guy to smile. I'm trying to get a reaction. Sometimes I know the answer to the question. I know all the cliches. I'm never going to ask him, hey, tell me about that goal. That's just, that's never coming out of my mouth. And my least favorite question is, you know, what second period adjustments are you guys going to make? Like, I just, like anybody could yeah. ask that question. You could have never seen a, you could be born yesterday and ask that question. You don't have to know anything about anything. So I'd like to show that I have some knowledge of what we're talking about and then ask it in a lighter way. And there's a time and a place though, right? Like we do those on ice, uh, inter, uh, those on ice interviews, like prior to a playoff game, like, that's not probably a time, you know, to get – these guys are focused. They're giving us their time. In between periods can be really rough. You know, uh, Butchie had a playoff game with an Oilers. With the Oilers, he had Connor McDavid after a period, and it got a lot of attention, probably for the wrong reason. Connor was given one or two-word answers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Tough spot. So, so what do we do there, guys? Here's the greatest player in the game. We, we can't turn him down. We have to talk to him. And to me, I didn't have an issue with it. Butchie did his job, and Connor McDavid did his job. And so that showed me, you know what? Connor's not playing around. He's all business. He's locked in. He's focused on the game. This is the playoffs. And so I had no issue with that. You know, in the regular season, we're looking for guys who want to play a little bit. You know, Marshawn in Boston is great. You know, yeah. he's always he's always good for something. It obviously helps if you have a relationship with these guys. Yeah. And so, you know, PK is, you know, has played with these guys. He can ask a question, but you can see, like, when Messicelli asks a question, these guys lock up. Oh, my God, it's Mark Messier asking me something. And Messier say, hey, I love the way you play this game. Oh, my God, Messier just complimented me. And you see them shut down, right? And then PK is asking them about the outfit or what they're going to eat post game or what bar they're going to. And so, so that's it. So it's, it's a fine line. There is a mix, but I care greatly about that piece of our business. And that's probably what I devote most of my attention to going into a game. I always want to know who's the player we're talking to so I can start thinking about it in that way. Yeah, and I love, we all love Connor McDavid. We love the way he plays. Uppy knows him from going to camp with him. I don't know him personally. He's probably a great person. But there was one time this year in a regular season game where he came on with SVP after, and he didn't give SVP anything. And I'm thinking, come on, Connor, man. Get, get, like you're, you're on national TV on ESPN down here in the States. And for me, Steve, if he, if Connor doesn't want to give it, give me somebody else. Like I, I yeah. don't necessarily want the best player in the world. I want the best guy for that spot with SVP in my opinion. So post game's different. Okay. Post game's yeah. different. You've obviously won. Okay. Yeah. Cause you're on the show. Yeah. So you think you could be a little lighter, a little looser there, but listen, that's not, if that's not his personality, yeah. But, but you don't know, OB, right? You don't know until the interview's over. Like, 
maybe SVP comes up with something clever and gets Connor to crack a smile. Then yeah. it's then it's TV gold, you know. Yeah. So you just you just never know. McDavid's a hard guy to turn down for sure. And I don't blame him. Like we're not trying to change people's personalities here. You are who you are, but it would be helpful um, to you know to have somebody who's willing to say something. And every and every PR these PR guys do a great job too, right? They really do. They got a tough job. Like the, Ed, the poor guy in Edmonton, like he knows every intermission, every pregame, every postgame, people want McDavid. He just can't wear Connor out. It's not fair that way. So, you know, they need to know who are the guys who will give you something. We've got a little sparkle in their eye. Who's willing to crack a smile and crack a joke with you and tell a story? And, and so you try to find a happy medium there. I would tell the guy in Edmonton, just make Connor a series fresh for Scott Van Pelt. The rest of the guys, <laughs> the guys in Canada, now nah, he doesn't have to do it. But make yeah, sure you're ready to go for a, Give him a little right for, off the yeah, yeah, come Make on. him have a beer before he comes on or something. Yeah. Steve, I wanted to ask you, you know, you touched on the production of a hockey game. And I think all three of us can admit the hockey's better live, right? Anytime a person goes to a hockey game, it's unfortunately at times TV doesn't do it justice. Uh, I guess what I'm asking, in your production meetings in the offseason, are, are they asking you guys for you know, different camera angles, maybe certain events that are made around television. Like, is there any talk of always trying to make it better on television? I guess is what I'm asking. Nonstop. Yeah. Always trying to innovate, always trying to grow. And again, there's, there's just so many ways to do it. Like how, you know, we, and, and we get crushed for this stuff. Like we tried, I don't know, maybe it was last season. We tried on the power play, the camera angle from above the goalie. So in essence, you're seeing out what the goalie is seeing, or at least that's, that's what and people bitched and moaned about that. Then we put the name tags on the guys, right? Only on the power play. So, you know, the, the fans could see who has the puck you know, on the offensive players. People bitched about that. You're taking up too much of the screen. So, listen, we know you're not going to please everybody. Uh, but ESPN is always trying to push the boundaries. We're trying to take chances, be innovative. Uh, but, again, there's only a finite way of doing these things. I, you know, for one, it's a small – I'd like to see the guys take the helmets off for shootout. Like to me, that would be a really easy one. Yeah. And I just think that would enhance the enjoyment of the game. Some people don't like shootout even to begin with, but I think, you know, the guys want to see every, all these guys look the same for the most part, right. With the half shield on and all that. So, but anyway, those kinds of things, some, sometimes it is aesthetics, right? We're trying to look for something. We're always trying to enhance the audio, Mike, the player, Mike, the coach, try to get something out of the coaches those in those uh, in-game interviews. And sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Uh, but, yes, we're always trying, always thinking of new ideas. If you guys have any, please feel free to share them with us, too. Well, I, think, I like the buckets off in the shootout, yeah. Steve. You got my vote there. I'm si I'll sign that petition, fellow. And, and, by the right. way, something went viral this week. We talked about it this morning with uh, Dana White commenting about the NHL yep. with the Nelk boys yep. and just saying yep. that these guys are old in the way they think and they don't understand the youth and the audience. And yeah, coming from Dana White, who's actually, you know, probably the most successful CEO of any sports franchise business now, you got to kind of listen to that, right? Because he understands the youth. Um, I, th I think we have to grow. We have to, yeah. we have to evolve. Um, I think they're trying that. How do you keep, like, look what baseball did. Baseball, the most traditional of all the sports by far, right? Huh. They got a pitch clock now. What? <laughs> right? I mean, they made the bases bigger. You can only throw over <laughs> first base a couple times. Listen, we're two years away, guys, from robots calling balls and strikes. Yeah, okay? crazy, Steve. So if, if wow. baseball can do it, then I think hockey can. And hockey has made advancements. Um, we got to move in a, a couple other directions, I think, still, you know. Um, but you're right. You, you 
you got to get younger. You need the audience to be younger. You need to grow, continue to grow the game. And I think that starts with more young kids playing hockey, quite frankly. And that circles back to Vegas, right? Rinks are popping up in the desert left and right. Kids are playing hockey out there. They'll have hockey fans there forever now. Just talking about baseball. I haven't been to a baseball game yet, but my buddies are telling me, like, remember you used to go get a beer, you come back, and be like two hitters later? Now you go yeah. grab a beer, take a leak, you come back, it's like two innings are over, I guess. So <laughs> I'm interested to see what that's all about. Okay. It's good. I, I, just went, I, just went, I just went on Father's Day. I took my dad, I took my boy, my kids, and uh, the game moves. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, it's weird seeing a clock behind the batter, um, but the game moves, and what they wanted was more action. They, you know, you can't even shift anymore, right? You you can't have three guys on the right side of the infield anymore. Thank God. So right, they, right. So they've made a lot of changes to get more action, and I think baseball shaved off. I think it's roughly a half hour per game this season, which is a win for everybody concerned. Yeah. yeah. Steve, I got a question. Have you ever been part of uh, voting for, say, the Con Smythe as an, uh, you know, as a media guy? Have you ever had a vote at the Con Smythe? I think the list came out, Obes, that we saw, yeah. and then we were shocked, and we're going to talk about it today. Yeah. But how the great ones just not involved yeah. in picking the best. You like know, Messi, I think ninety nine for TNT and Mess probably should have had a vote this year on the Con Smythe. Yeah, right? like, that's, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I brought up. But yeah. have you ever, you know, have you no. ever been part of that or no? No. Uh, no, and I'm not really sure uh, exactly how they come up with the crew that had it. Our Emily Kaplan to know how to vote. It's like X amount of writers, X amount of – there are broadcasters, I think, involved. I- I'm really not sure, but it's, it's a small group. It might be 18, 20 people. Um, I'd like to see it expand. I, I get to vote on the GM of the year. Uh, that was a, That's a media award, so I was – Pretty pleased about that. Um, but I would take that with great responsibility, great respect. Like, that's a really big deal. For sure. Yeah, uh, no, to absolutely. be able to vote for the con Smythe. And uh, and that's just another where uh, place where hockey has it right, right? The uh, most valuable player of the postseason, all four rounds, not just in the Stanley Cup Finals. So, hey, if you guys can get me a vote somehow, I'd be in favor of that. <laughs> yeah, you got our vote. <laughs> yeah. And then on the voting side, Hockey Hall of Fame inductees this week, is there anyone uh, that's Pokes, you know, that my Instagram has been talking about a lot this week, but is there anyone that you've watched over the years that you you think deserves a, a crack at this? You know, the some of the names are Keith, you know, Keith Kachuk, McGillney, yeah. some of the guys that have been, you know, poking their head around but haven't got in. Is there anyone you'd like to see in? How about Pat Verbeek? Pat oh, Verbeek. Wow. There we go. There you go. 500 goals. And um, isn't he in the top? There's this group with him and like Shanahan in terms of goals and penalty minutes. It's a rare, rare group. Uh, a certain select criteria there, but I, I think for I think for Beek's got great numbers. He's got longevity. You know, I'm not sure he ever won the individual awards, which is is what you really need there. Um, you know, I think everybody knows Big Walt stats because we we talked to Matthew about it. 500 goals, a uh, thousand points. You know. Like Verbeek's got, got 500 goals and over a thousand points. That's usually cash money. Yeah. And so, so there you go. So that that's the Kachuk argument. So Verbeek and Kachuk are both in that group, right? So what does Pierre Turgeon's got 500? He's got 1300 points. Yeah, he's never got in. And then Bert, Bertie Nichols 1200 points. He had good hair too. So, didn't he? so to me, criteria <laughs> for the Hall of Fame, and it's always it's in all sports. Yeah. I, it's got to be a dominant player of his era, okay? And I think one of the ways to think about that is, did you game plan? I actually had the same conversation with Rick Tockett uh, in Vegas during the Stanley Cup Finals. I, I'm not sure how the Hall of Fame even came up, but 
uh, I said, you know, did you have to specifically game plan against this guy? Whatever position, right? And um, to me, that's one of the criteria for being a Hall of Famer. A dominant player of his era, does you have to game plan specifically against this guy? Are you watching his film and figuring out, hey, I got to have these defensemen on the ice, these forwards? And so, you know, that's what I'd like to see. And Steve, you're so right on the personal awards because that's what it comes down to a lot. Now, to me, and it's the Hockey Hall of Fame, right? So international plays is involved yes. as well, too. But yeah. in such a team sport, when I look at guys that have won multiple Stanley Cups and Colin Smythe, like in my opinion, when it comes to Hall of Fame, that should matter. But unfortunately not. It's it's more about personal. And like you said, their, their numbers, 500 goals, 1,000 points. And did they win right. the heart or whatever? And and Stanley Cups, and that's kind of how we started, right? You could be in the, you could be the, a great player, just never get there. So so Keith Kachuk never even played in the state. Forget about winning the cup; he never even got to play in a Stanley Cup final. So you know that that certainly hurts his his cause or his case there. And that's not necessarily on him, right? It's you play you play for a long time. Uh, you know you put up great stats. You know some individual trophies there, and it just doesn't work out. So. Big Walt's got 538 goals and 1,000 yeah. points. I I want Big Walt in there. Maybe I'm biased out because I got to know him, but God, that guy likes a nice beer and a cigar, too. He's got my vote if I had one. And how about the big can? His big can standing in front of the net. Like, you couldn't <laughs> move that guy, right? Bad accent, the whole thing. He, yeah. He's great. He, what a That's the essence of a beauty, right? Big Walt. <laughs> Great question. Yeah, you talk about that World Cup. He, it was him and well, what year was that? Him and Lemieux got yeah, that he scrap, fought Lemieux. Right? He fought that was Lemieux. a good scrap. Great scrap. That World that Cup. Ninety six. I was going to say ninety six in Montreal. Yeah, th- yeah. The, the Americans beat us. Yeah, that was the World Cup. I remember. Yeah. Now we're not going to get that. We're not going to get McDavid <laughs> fighting fucking Eichler. Or anything, but <laughs> I wouldn't mind them just to see him play five on five against each other. Yeah, totally. Right? Like, yeah. what are we waiting those, for here, boys? But, those World Cups were great. Yeah. Steve, I want to ask you. Uh, first time I met you was on the set of Entourage uh, with my boy Kevin Connolly. Uh, yeah. Were you a fan of the show? Did you know Doug Allen? How did that work out for you? Because that's when the first time I met you. Yeah, so um, so I'm in a pretty cool high school Hall of Fame. I went to Belmore Kennedy, which is on Long Island, and um, I got Adam Schefter. Oh, nice. Uh, Doug Ellen, for the, who was the creator of Entourage, and uh, my boy from Wheels Up, Kenny Dichter, who oh, know, yeah. created Wheels Up. Yeah. So the four of us, we might even have gone in on the same night. Um, Shefty and I definitely did so that's the only Hall of Fame by the way I'll ever be in Uh, that's how I know Doug Uh, so we know a lot of the same people growing up and um, I got to meet some of the cast members as well they've always been super cool off the set you know and um, Kevin Connolly's a big Islanders fan right Uh, Kevin Dillon's a great dude got to play some cards with him one time in Atlantic City and um, so that was a great show. You know, I even love the movie and always talk about, you know, bringing that back for a, a second. Set. And so that was, was that Ronda Rousey the night yeah. the day I saw yeah, you? Yeah, I yeah. at that old, that old boxing gym in Hollywood. Yeah, That's- that was really cool. And, uh, so Turtle's trying to just take her out on a date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you broke her arm. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, Steve, I got a new appreciation for actors after that. I, we were there for eight hours. Me and Lupo were in the back of the scene and Collins warned us. Collins said, Hey boys. It's like if I'm going to be the water boy, the, the first period's exciting, but if it goes to 4 OT, I want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it was in the movie for 30 seconds. We were there for eight hours. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, those This is Sports Center commercials where all the mascots and the athletes, they all come to Bristol. Like, same deal. Some of those are 15 seconds or 30 seconds, and they're eight hour days. 
eight hour days. You know, it's every take from every angle and all these extras and running it back. And I've been fortunate to have a couple cameos and a couple of movies and just buddies that put me in some stuff and the same thing. Like it's, you know, I just didn't want to blow my line, uh, but I have to do it 25, 30 times. Then they go back and they look at all. And it seems like a massive waste of money and resources, but that's Hollywood. And then it comes out great on the big screen. You know, Updog asked you this earlier, 30 years you've been there. Like, did you ever imagine what ESPN has turned? Like, could you ever vision it, how big it is now? And, and you know, how many channels they have and all the sports they cover? Like, like you said, but it's 24 seven. Like anytime I'm in a pinch, I go to ESPN plus. I know I can watch yeah. something, you know, we appreciate that. So when I got there in 93, it was really just ESPN. There was no radio, no dot com, no ESPN two. I mean, it was really just that one channel, the main channel. And so, you know, now we have an, a fancy L.A. studio and all that and helps with the time zones. But so my first job at ESPN, I was on the, the 2 a.m. Sports Center, 2 a.m. Eastern, which was live in Bristol, Connecticut. So and it was only a 30 minute show, but that was my shift, 2 a.m. to 2.30. The so, graveyard. You know, by the time I got back, I'm <laughs> 4 a.m. and I'm sleeping until noon and it's met, it's messed me up 30 years later. I'm still not a morning person. And so I still like to be out at night. But um, again, that was, there was no training ground. Like nowadays they ease the kids in. You come be a broadcaster. Hey, we'll put you on news first. We'll transition you over to two. We'll put you on dot com and plus. And so, you know, I was sort of thrown right in there in the fire there with, you know, Keith Oldman and Dan Patrick and those guys. And so, and obviously, you know, best decision other than having my kids, best decision I ever made was, was leaving New York city. And I, I really didn't want to come. I was, I was as provincial as anybody ever. I was a New York City kid. I was only about the New York City teams. I didn't care about what was going on outside of New York City. and uh, But the opportunity offered to me was, was too great to pass up. And it was obviously ESPN has been so good to me. Steve, do you think there's some room for some more uh, secondary hockey programming on one of those channels or what? You think they can slide a missing curfew show <laughs> in there? Or, you know, we got the point. We got you guys. I don't know. I I'm think maybe a little, a little West Coast action. Yeah, we, we, we could show we, up to that L.A. studio and, you know, cover We definitely have space. I know a guy who knows a guy, and I can put in a good word in for you guys. <laughs> there we go. What are you guys drinking on the set? I'm not sure we go for that. What are you guys blue, drinking Blue lights. Right blue lights. Don't worry. Right. Yeah, well, blue these lights. Can, these can slide blue. down real quick, and they'll be gone. Uh, so. <laughs> I'll be able to drink those before the first commercial break. Don't worry. <laughs> You gotta have so you gotta have a Mickey Mouse uh, juice box there, and then maybe uh, <laughs> Disney folks will let you in. Exactly. Hey, Steve, man, um, thank you so much for doing this. You're the best, buddy. Maybe we'll get you on before the start of the season and get your Stanley Cup predictions. We'll give you a couple oh, months oh. to mull over it, see the free agent. Maybe we'll get you on, and uh, we'll all, we'll all take our predictions, bud. Hey, I'm a, I'm a fan of you guys. I've been watching the show, and I appreciate you having me on. It took you long enough to get me, <laughs> but no no slight there. I get it. I understand. you got a lot of important people to talk to, and so uh, thanks for having me on. Up dog, thanks to Steve Levy. Absolute beauty. Uh, guy's guy team. Can you play my team? He said he loves Vegas. He said he doesn't need a reason to go to Vegas. I'm like, I well, bet you'd want to play for Team Canada. I know he's a New Yorker <laughs> slash Boston. He talks a little bit about his Boston boys, but if we act, if we asked him, hey, are you on our squad? I think he's on our squad. Yeah, you what can you see how much he loved the World Cup back in the day. Loved it. Yeah. That World Cup was special. Mm -hmm. Canada, U.S. fights, unbelievable. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, I, I just again, I think I said it on the pre-show, but I love what he does for the game. ESPN, you know, he's a big reason why that show is what it is. Uh, he carries it. He's great. PK on his right. 
He had Mess and, you know, Chelly just got let go, but he had those two beauties and Hall of Famers on his left. Um, you know, lo- lo- love the guy, and it was nice to get to know him. I hope we bump into him somewhere this summer and maybe tee it up with the guy. Yeah, I'd like to take him out for dinner in L.A. maybe. I yeah, know, Hollywood yeah, yeah. Night. He seems like a Hollywood guy. Yeah, I bet he's got some more stories that he just wasn't able to tell yeah, us on here. Take him to Craig's maybe for a little Chucky Parm or something, eh? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Seems like an, an old-fashioned old one. You think he's an old-fashioned guy? Ah, uh, one can only hope. But uh, <laughs> up dog, um... You know, this is a wrap pretty much for the season for us. So obviously, thanks to you, buddy. Three years we've been doing this. Fuck, it's, it's worked out pretty good for us. But thanks to the listeners. Uh, without our fans, we got nothing. So thanks to them. Uh, Hall Pass Media is off to the Summer League. Check it out if you like basketball. Uh, and we got some good off-season content coming out. Curfew calls. Me and you will jump on the odd, maybe Zoom here through July and then yeah. maybe back in August. But it's been a fun year, fella. It has. And, you know, and to follow on that, our sponsors, thank you to yes. DraftKings. Thank you to... Uh, candidates who've been with us since day one. Um, Blue light, baby. Blue light, baby. Candidates. You know, our friends that were with us. Life force. Promo code curfew. Jump on that. Stay young, especially in the summer. Get out of that beach bod. And TaylorMade. Our, our friends at TaylorMade for the absolute gear that we've been slinging to all our guests. Slinging. And to, uh, and to our, you know, our prize winners. Thanks for jumping in on that. But again, uh, Casey and our friends at TaylorMade, you guys are the best. Yeah, every NHL guest that we've had here on on the playoffs, they sent them a brand new yeah. Stealth 2 driver. So the boys out there in the National League are going to be hitting it long and straight this summer. But it. Great partnership with TaylorMade. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I uh, hope we can keep building it because Updog, as we know, golf and hockey go hand in hand, fellas. So That's right. uh, TaylorMade, thank you guys. Um, and then you know, our post sponsors, you know who you are, Good Life. Uh, all the people that have been through it. And then G4, we're looking sharp. Yeah. G4, thanks for the gear. Going to be looking good on the course, but uh, it was a good. fun year. We will have stuff rolling out. And like I said, if anything happens throughout the course of the summer, I mean, you want to jump on the old computer, we'll do it old school style. And then uh, we're off to Ireland at the start of August. And then when we get back, you know, maybe we'll jump back in here yeah. and see what's Ireland going on. Ireland for a little piss up. Fuck, it's going to be a good drink of that Irish whiskey. Yeah, yeah. So. get the body ready. Uh, Max Binger, Hall Pass. Thanks for everything, boys. It's been a fun year. Um, yeah, I was missing curfew, fellas. California, rescue me. I've been so long.